All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 34 of Kowalski Analysis. I have a great guest on the show tonight, someone I'm very excited to talk to. His name is John Gray, and he is author of the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Many of you have probably read the book, and I'm very excited to speak with John, super smart guy in the area of relationships. Before we, I bring him in and we jump into the interview, I just want to mention my sponsor, as always, and that is Micah Hughes with Mundal Solutions Network. So Micah, again, is a good friend of mine. He is in real estate and a big supporter of mine. So look, if you guys are looking to do anything in the area of real estate, buy a home, sell a home, invest in real estate, uh, you know, maybe buy even a multi-unit building, maybe you want to sell your house quickly, anything, please reach out to Micah. I promise you, he'll take good care of you and uh, you will be doing me a solid in, in the process. All right, tonight's guest is John Gray, and he is the author of the most well-known and trusted relationship book of all time, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. USA Today listed his book as, let's try that again. USA Today listed his book as one of the top 10 most influential books of the last quarter century. In hardcover, it was the number one best-selling book of the 90s. His most recent book is Beyond Mars and Venus, New Relationship Skills for Our Complex Modern World. John is a relationship expert, and he helps men and women better understand and respect their differences in both, relation, in both personal and professional relationships. He has appeared repeatedly on Oprah, as well as the, doc, the Dr. Oz Show, Today, CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, and others. He has been profiled in Time, Forbes, USA Today, People, and was the subject of a three-hour special hosted by Barbara Walters. And tonight, he is my guest on Kowalski Analysis. Welcome to the show, John Gray. Hey, happy to be with you. Happy to be with you. Those are some serious credentials. Well, thanks. <laughs> no, I've been doing this now 50 years, 50 years, almost 70 years old. It's amazing. Wow. It's a pleasure to have a history, but I don't think about all that. I just get to now dispense wisdom. You know, when you've been through it all, when you've been through it all, you have some wisdom and I'm happy to share it. Yeah. I've, I was watching a lot of your stuff, just preparing for the interview. Some of your you know videos on YouTube, interviews people have done with you and uh, yeah, just great stuff. So how did you, how did you get into this? You know, how did you become a relationship expert? Like did it start back in college or, you know, how did that work? Well, I was active sexually as a teenager. And also this was the hippie days. You know, I grew up my hair. I got kicked out of school until I cut my hair. Uh, I was a bit rebellious, hippie. And at, after Woodstock, we all got really high, but I went really down afterwards. There's gotta be something more. I like to be high. And the Beatles had been to India with the Maharishi. And they said, you can get high without taking drugs if you learn how to meditate. Not always been a spiritual kind of guy. My parents were very spiritual, but I, I did this departure. And for nine years, I was a Hindu monk. Wow. I was, I was pure celibate, never masturbated for nine years. Holy and, cow. And uh, it was the greatest thing in the world. Do you have me. a lot of, a lot of uh, what do they call it? Nocturnal emissions? None. None. You didn't have wet dreams? Nope, nope. Because I, as a teenager, I did. I love women. I love sex. <laughs> but uh, I love my wife. I, I only want to have sex with my wife. And when I put it that way, I want to mention, I talk about my wife in present time. She passed two years ago. We were married for 34 years. Mm. Uh, it's very sad, but I'm not, I'm grieving, but not in this interview. Okay. So Absolutely. it's a, uh, you can beautiful. shift gears, you know, you have to learn how to shift gears, but I'm, I'm, 
it's been a two-year journey, probably the most challenging I've ever had in my life. I've had many challenges. My, my younger brother committed suicide. My father was found dead in the trunk of his car on my honeymoon. My mother died of an accident. Uh, my brother died of liver cancer. My sister, my younger sister at 60 years old, died of, of uh, uh, Alzheimer's. A lot of tragedies in my life. And, and you know, healing the heart and coming back, trusting God, trusting everything, you know, feeling positive, optimistic. If you know how to heal, life gets better. And if you don't know how to heal, life goes downhill. We all have challenges, but we have to learn how to grow through them, make life a gift rather than a punishment. Yeah. Wow. So you're, you're pretty familiar with loss, but I, I, if you don't mind, I just want to go back to that. So you, you didn't have sex or masturbate for nine years and you didn't have wet dreams. That's right. And you know what? The, uh, I was with a bunch of monks. Okay. And I found uh, out later that they all masturbated. Some of them had sex and I didn't know that, but now I know how to recognize somebody if they're truly a celibate and they don't masturbate. You actually, the semen goes up into your brain and it goes throughout your body. That's why I look so young. Okay. I, I'm, I feel like I'm still 28 and, uh, you actually, my perspiration, it smells like semen. Even now it smells like semen because I don't ejaculate even when I have sex. I learned how to do that. I was just talking to Dave Asprey about that. I know you were a guest on his podcast and he, he's actually the one that suggested I talk to you. And he was telling me about, you know, um, you know, having sex with his wife and not ejaculating and how you can do it more. I said, it's to me, it would be like chewing up a piece of delicious food and not, you know, not being able to swallow it. Oh, that, that's <laughs> only because you're addicted to it. You see, the deepest addiction that biologically we have, we have to realize human beings are not violent, but the monkey side of us, the animal side of us is. And who's in control? Well, the monkey side of us wants to have sex with everybody. Anybody wants to have sex, I'll have sex with you. That's the monkey side of me. But it's the higher spiritual side of us, the true self basically wants to share love. Sex is making love. It's actually the experience, you have to de define, see for yourself, what you're doing through sexual arousal is activating your back brain to your midbrain to the front part of the brain because sexual arousal is so pleasurable that it awakens our ability to feel love more deeply, to feel more deeply. You know, if something's painful, we don't want to feel it. When something feels pleasure, we want to feel it. And when we feel it, we're able to go deeper inside of ourselves and feel the love that we have in our relationship. So I began teaching courses on sex besides relationships back in, and when I was 29 years old, after being a celibate, all I wanted was to have sex. <laughs> right. I can imagine. I, I even taught classes on sex. Everybody says, how does a celibate teach classes on sex? I said, perfect. Who's going to think about it more than somebody who hasn't done it in nine years? <laughs> and and what I, so I, I get together, have couples all talk about what makes sex great for them, because we can learn so much from people's experience. Sometimes it's very hard to say to your partner what, what's great for you because your partner might hear it as criticism. Oh, you should know that, you didn't do that. Oh, you mean 20 years of marriage, I missed the clitoris? <laughs> it's kind of hard to feel that. Uh, so sex education, I think is very, very important. I became sex educator. Then I realized that sex goes away, the passion goes away if you can't grow in love. And if you don't manage your ejaculations, you'll lose interest in your partner as well. Mm. Uh, the, the, the research is now, I can talk about this now because I've got research to back it up. I've got a lot of theories that I can't even share 
about life because I don't have actual scientific research to back it up. Everything I say about men are from Mars, I got scientific research backing it up. Otherwise, it's too controversial. Right. And now if I talk about sex, that's so it's such a personal thing. And, you know, people are all so different, but there's real generalities that you can make. And one of them is biologically, if you have sex with your wife on uh, Saturday night and ejaculate, afterwards, uh, your testosterone goes down 50%. That's it. That's the Sunday morning hangout, watch TV, go to church, whatever, just passive day because sure, uh, sure. your energy's dropped. You, you, you kind of hit the, hit the target at the top. Now the testosterone goes down and then it doesn't recover for uh, on this. It goes up a little over the week and you get used to that. You think that's normal. But then on Saturday, if you have not ejaculated for six days, your testosterone level biologically will double, double. So what is that? What is that doing for you? Exactly. Because okay. let me, let me chat, let me challenge this really quickly. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. something I've noticed. So I've been, I've been abstinent 15 of the last 20 years. I was the biggest man whore in my city. I was a stripper and a club promoter. I was, you know, tons of one night stands and then got, you know, God called me and I committed myself to this way of life. Now I fell off. Uh, for a few years, I rededicated and I've been back on it for several years, nine approximately. And, um, but here's what I've noticed. If I masturbate and I ejaculate, um, the next morning I wake up with a hard on, like not, I, I mean, I pretty much wake up with a hard on every morning anyway, but it's like more, it's more pronounced. Yeah. It's almost like I fed it and now it wants to eat. Like, you know what I mean? And right. so no, no, biologically what, what happens when you ejaculate into a woman that who loves you and you love her, this is biologically true as well. What will happen is that you have a, a relationship where you have real love and you have sex with them and you ejaculate with her. Your body doesn't just ejaculate, it also makes another hormone called prolactin. If you masturbate, it doesn't make prolactin. Ah. What pr prolactin does in common speak, it causes that recovery period where you can't get an erection for a while. Right. Okay, now some people, because they make no prolactin, they can just get it right up again and again and again. They think, aren't, that, aren't I the stud? But it's really because they didn't feel love. Oh. If you actually feel love, your body makes prolactin and prolactin is a biological reality. See, everything about our body is evolution. Okay, we, our body is it's massive intelligence that goes into the evolution of human beings from these guys who roam the fields raping women to falling in love. And so what happens is when, when nature, our body, its job is to procreate, you know, we need to keep the species going. So as soon as you need that, what then happens biologically is you, you wanna have sex, but you have sex with somebody who loves you, then, and she loves you, because if a woman loves you, you will love her. That's right. another biological reaction. We have something called mirror cells. And if a woman loves you, you will love her back. And so what you have to do is get her to love you by doing things for her. So men would do things for women. That's always the traditional thing. Men provide for women. She feels I have support. When she feels I have support, her estrogen levels go up and she feels love. When she loves you, your mirror cells will love her back. And so now you suddenly as a man get to experience through a woman, the ecstasy of love. Now, when you experience that ecstasy of love, that means when you ejaculate, you make a baby, her, your body will then make prolactin so you're not interested in other women mm. to have sex with. 
Right. Prolactin keeps you from being interested in other women and it keeps you from being interested in sex for six days. And then on the seventh day, you want to have sex with your partner. And the only way you can sustain attraction to your partner, I, you know, when I say the only way I'm speaking in my limited perspective, uh, I just know that I was able to do it. Okay. And this is how I did it. Either I practice not ejaculating sex sometimes, and then, then you can have sex every day, uh, or you ejaculate, you do it once a week. What I know is that for 34 years, even 40 years with my wife, I basically never lost my attraction for her. That's amazing. She literally, she literally had to undress in the closet, as big closets at our house. But when I saw her naked body, I just wanted to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. This is how it should be. And even I'll just share the, the things of my private life. Sometimes she would talk about her day and share her feelings and I'd get an erection. I mean, this is the way <laughs> the more she reveals herself, the more women can be feminine. Yeah. See, when a woman shares herself, she's trusting you. Yeah. And when a woman trusts you, that's the greatest gift of love is to trust somebody. Yeah. And, and women in the past, they understood this. See, they were dependent on men then. They're not now. But yeah. when they were dependent on men, they built statues to men. You know why? Because then men would feel like heroes. You know why? Because then men would feel loved. You know why? Because when men feel loved, they selflessly give themselves to society, yeah. to their children, to their wives because we need love and we need it through relationship. And if we didn't get it as little, little boys from our mothers, often then we really don't know what love is. I even know people who've written books on love and relationships who say love is not a feeling, it's a behavior. And I go, no, no, no. You know, you can read a book and learn loving behaviors, but love is a feeling, it's ecstasy and it's growing in love. And when you're intimate with your spouse who loves you and you love them and you're committed to them and you overcome the trials and tribulations of being in a relationship, you make love through sex. Mm. You make love. You see, you increase it. Love is a, is a it's like a, it, it flows out of you and then you get empty. It doesn't just come right back as much. I mean, it's basically life stresses. People start to grind and they start to lose that ecstatic love feeling. So when you lose it, you have a committed relationship, you take the time to do the things that are very pleasurable, that then allows you to feel more, and then you can connect with the feelings of love, and then you actually make love. You yeah. bring it back and you make it more so that, that you can grow in love over time. And that's yeah. a gift once we learn good sexual skills and sex management. Man, there's so much to, to talk about there. Um... You know, I, I've read that the more times you have sex, the stronger the, the bond gets, like the oxytocin, you know, but, the, the soul tie for, okay. is what they call it in Christianese, is the more times you have sex, the stronger that gets and the harder it is to actually separate. Yeah, but no. Okay, let me just, yes and no. Let me just get, create some knowledge here about biology. I'm just going to go with biology because there's truth in what you just said. You gave the example of I masturbated the next morning I was really hard. That's because you released, you ejaculated, not in the presence of someone you love deeply. So you didn't make prolactin. So now nature says you need to get out there and get laid. You have to go out there and make a baby. You got to go out and do those things so a woman will love you. And then that's the one you want to have a baby with. So you got to go find someone. So literally learning how to orgasm 
because orgasm is different from ejaculation. Hmm. Ejaculation is the end of ecstasy. It's over. Well, what if it keeps going on and on? When do you stop? Well, you stop when she's had a few orgasms and she's satisfied and you're ready to go whenever. You're ready to go whenever. It's, it keeps your energy so up. Now, I'm not saying this is for everybody. I didn't do it the whole time in my marriage. But what I did do is the once, once a week rule and occasionally broke the rule. But here's the contradiction to what you just said. The more you have sex, the more you bond with someone. I just counseled a woman today who was with some guy and, and it was the best sex they'd ever had. She's mind blown. She was a celibate for six years and then suddenly had sex again. And she's well, in her fifties. She had the best sex of her life. She went crazy. Maybe she, she got a short memory. <laughs> mind blowing. And, 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 and I said, well, how much sex did you have? She said, it was fantastic. It was four times a day. And I said, and then what happened? Well, he doesn't call me back. I well, said, yeah, he spent his wad. It's over. You, you, you got to get recovery time. And if anybody wants to doubt this, if you're having sex several times a week and you're in the first few years of your marriage and you're having lots of sex and whatever, you want to doubt this, try going for six days without ejaculating on the seventh day. What feels what it likes to be, to be a hero, to be Superman, to feel powerful, to feel in control. This is like amazing what testosterone does for men. And often, just to clarify some confusion people have, for years, everybody thought testosterone caused men to be angry and aggressive. It doesn't. This is proven. It's female hormones that cause men to be aggressive, not, not male hormones. Male hormones is kung fu. It's cool, calm, collected. It's disciplined. It's serviceful. It's generous. Everything a man does when he's romantic and he's offering himself to you as a woman, to, to the women, it's his testosterone is going higher and higher. It's when he feels insecure. It's when he's afraid. He's in a stress state, which is fight or flight. That's when his estrogen is going up. Estrogen is the female hormone. Now, I, I have tremendous amounts of female hormone. Oh my God, that's part of the wisdom of getting older. Naturally, men get more female hormones, but most men, their testosterone goes down. So when estrogen is too high and testosterone is too low, you're passive, you're depressed, you have anxiety, you can be grumpy, you whine and complain, you're negative, you want to die. All those things is excess estrogen, not testosterone. Mm. So what allows, what making love is, is where you can experience peak levels of estrogen and testosterone. Because testosterone is produced when you make a difference. So when you see her moaning and you see her smiling and you're touching her body and she's just having a good time, you feel like, yeah, I did that, I did that, I did that. And so what's happening is your testosterone's going up, her estrogen's going up, that means her love and appreciation of you is going up. So now your estrogen's going up, your testosterone's going up, and then there's a limit to how far your testosterone can go. And if estrogen goes too high compared to testosterone, you ejaculate. And so for men, when they ejaculate, that's a surge of estrogen, which causes their testosterone to go down. Now, how do you recover testosterone? I wrote a whole book on that. That's the Mar Beyond Mars and Venus book. But if you recover testosterone, one of the first ways you, things you do is you detach. Detachment is testosterone production. Emotion is estrogen production. Independence, I can do this myself, is testosterone production. 
depending on others, needing others, that's your female side, that's your relationship side, but I can do it myself. So how many times have you ever gotten a little angry and you say, well, I'll just do it myself. That's your test. You're going to, you're producing testosterone. Right. You're going into what I call the cave. You want to detach. You want to forget your problems, forget your responsibilities. And ironically, you know, that's what the Buddha would say, you know, meditate and forget all your problems. That's what Christianity says when it says, be still and know that you are God or know the voice of God. It's all about stillness and quietness and sublimeness. For men, solving problems produces testosterone. And when you're stressed, forgetting everything is what allows you to lower your stress levels. It rebuilds testosterone. Now for women, talking about problems, sharing, that produces estrogen. So women's challenge is because talking about feelings produces estrogen, if they complain using negative emotions, which is estrogen, to change somebody, now they go to their male side and their estrogen goes down. <laughs> so complaining is an addiction for women. And this is now proven that complain, and for men too, if they do it, and now more and more men are from Venus and <laughs> they complain all the time. Their testosterone is so low, they're so weak. It's sad, it's sad, sad what's happening as we're trying to feminize men but there's nothing wrong with being a heartfelt, heart-centered, emotional man, as long as your testosterone is high, which means you're not blaming anybody, you're not a victim, but you can share feelings when your heart is open, but not when your heart is closed. Then you're a gorilla, then you're a monkey, then you're an insecure, aggressive being whose estrogen is off the chart and your testosterone is low. You know, couples, what happened in that example I just gave you, they had all this sex, the guy's testosterone's low. Now he's turned off to the girl. He don't want to marry her. He don't want to be with her. Yeah. So There's yeah. a, a great wisdom in waiting because you, you get to know somebody intellectually. You get to know somebody emotionally and you're motivated because you do want to connect physically. And that's the man's job is he feels it right away. The woman today has sex right away. They're just giving away their power. You should never have sex until you want to have sex more than he does. That's the time to have sex. Love that. And you first get to know him where you can feel naked mentally, naked emotionally, then get naked physically. Otherwise, she will be drained. And for him, if he connects with her and he doesn't have that connection where he's bonded with her mentally, emotionally, then when he just ejaculates, he doesn't even make prolactin. He's just addicted to sex and he wants another woman or he finds problems with her, he withdraws, he doesn't come back. Love that. I was listening to one of your talks uh, on YouTube and you were talking about waiting and you were saying, you know, the way to kind of field someone that may be a, a prospect for a woman would be ask him a question, let him answer it. And then you kind of talk five times more than him is what you said. You kind of interject yourself because the thing is, is what you're trying to do is bring him to reality. Because of course he's physically attracted to you. That's easy, right? But then you're trying to show him who you really are, who lives inside of this tent. That's what I say. Yeah. And then, because if he's still physically attracted to you after figuring out who lives inside that tent, then you know you got a winner. And I was like, dude, he is so smart. That is yeah. exactly yeah. it. You need to test a man. You don't let any, any stranger in your house. You want to know their credentials. I can be myself. I can express who I am. I can share how I feel. And I can ask for help. And he wants to respond. Right. Then he's passed all the tests. Yeah. Then you let him in. It, yeah. Because, you know, there's a, I, I saw this. I got the idea for that with that. There was a funny comedian show where the woman was more like a man. It was an older woman. 
and she just wanted sex. And this younger guy is like in love with her and he would talk and she'd put him the hand, don't talk, don't talk. Because <laughs> if, if he talked, she'd lose all attraction for him. It was just a physical thing. And that's really how a lot of men are. If, if, as long as we don't talk, I could be turned on. But if we actually have a conversation about how you feel, what you did today, what's important to you, whatever, he'll lose his erection. You just say next, next, next. It's passing the test. It takes time to know somebody mentally and emotionally. And I don't know how many women are listening. Do you get women listening on the show? Tons, mostly, okay, right. mostly. So let me get some practical advice for those women, which is how to be emotionally vulnerable and mentally vulnerable with a man is don't be a people pleaser. Don't seek to agree with him. Everybody wants to agree with him. Now, a people pleaser, let me give an example of that. Some people don't realize they're a people pleaser. When I was 21, I was in a, a, a maybe 18. There's kind of a clique of people and I wanted to be part of the group. And we're having lunch together in a restaurant and somebody said, did you see this movie? I went, yeah, I saw that movie. And they said, what'd you think? Well, this was a controversial movie. It's almost like, who did you vote for? <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, uh oh, if I like the movie, will they like me? If I didn't like the movie, will they like me? So that's insecurity of, I want people to like me. So we adjust what we think in order for people to like us. And women are like on their best behavior on a date. They often want to first ask too many questions. That's a big mistake. If you, you, see, they want you to ask them questions. So they who, ask you questions, so you'll who, ask them questions. Who, who is they? The women. The woman, what? see what, what they need most. See, it's women first. Women need to talk in order to produce estrogen. Men need to talk and brag to produce testosterone. But if he's producing testosterone and no estrogen, he's not going to connect with her. He needs both to connect. So because estrogen is connection. So what women, they need someone to show interest in them, that show ask questions, get to know them. That's what turns a woman on is when you see me, when you hear me. And so she thinks he'll be turned on to her if she does what she wants, but that's not what we need as men. But she will interview him. She'll ask him all these questions. We start talking about ourselves and we don't get to know her at all. You know, my wife used to point out to me, she'd say, all right, we just had dinner with our friends. What can you tell me about those people? <laughs> And I said, nothing, because I always do all the talking. She had to train me on how to listen to other people. And, and you know, I'm an expert. And so on, there's 25 books I've written. People love hearing my stuff. I could go to a party and people just ask me questions. I just talk. Everybody gathers around and listens. And my wife says, John, you're not a social being. You've got to learn how to get to know people. I said, but they keep asking me questions. But my point is, if you ask a man a question, he's going to talk about himself and he's not going to know anything about you to the woman. And she's not going to feel seen or heard. And he's not going to bond with you. He needs to feel, I enter you. See, masculinity penetrates. What is listening? When somebody's listening, I'm, I'm penetrating. I'm going inside of her. I'm getting to know her. But she's over there penetrating him. It's a big mistake. Let him you might need to ask a question to get it going. Often men don't get a conversation going. So, oh, what, what did you think about this and this? And he said, oh, I think this and this and this. Then, yes, say yes, always a yes, yes. And my thought, and completely disagree with him. This is something people don't venture to do. They, they don't know how to communicate differences without trying to change someone. So you're testing Why, why is that? Why does, because I, I, so here's a, a story. Like uh, there was a, 
I've always in my relationships, I've always been the one that was in the driver's seat. Like I was in control and I get bored very easily. And then, but there was a girl that I dated, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. One of the last girls I dated before I rededicated my life. And she was, you, you know, used to guys just kind of, you know, chasing her around or whatever. She was hard to get. And we were dating, sleeping together. And she was like the first girl that I ever dated that just didn't listen to me. She just didn't do what I like, Hey, meet me here on this, you know, whatever. And she, you know, threw, she was me, irresistible. For a, threw me for a loop, dude, drove me yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, to the point where I was, I thought I was in love. Eventually I, you know, I had to kind of like go all in and risk losing the relationship in order to get her to, you know, behave not even the way that I want it. Cause that sounds bad, but it was just <laughs> the way a normal relation, like a respectable, you know, I just wanted her to, to act normal. Right. Like, and, and when she, she finally got in line, I lost interest. So I, I, I know that I wasn't in love. It was just about the chase or the, or the, I don't know what it was exactly, but I want to hear your thought. Like why I disagree. It has to be genuine though, right? You don't no, just disagree. It's just, it's just authentic. It's all I'm talking about is don't, I don't, I'm not into playing games at all. And I want to mention, I wrote a whole book on this called Mars and Venus on a date. Really good thing for dating people. And this is one of the points there, which is women, you have a greater need to be heard. So therefore you should talk more, not just to test him out if he's still turned on to you, but it's also, you need to be seen and heard. Listen, I've been counseling for 50 years. What do women always, what's their big complaint? He doesn't listen. He doesn't hear me. He doesn't see me. He's changed. Because in the beginning, you can go to a restaurant. You can see who's married and who's single. The single guys are looking right at her because right. he hasn't had sex with her yet. He wants that. <laughs> so he, she's got attention. And the married men are looking away, looking away. <laughs> they already know her. You know, it's like a woman could have been married 10, 15 years. She could walk in the room naked. A guy doesn't even look. My wife can't even dress in front of me. She, I get so horny. You know, this is like, no, is I yeah, I love that. I was, again, I was watching something that you said, and you were talking about, the, you know, however long you were married, 30 plus years, the sex got better every year. And yes. you were literally having sex an hour a night. And, and you're like, look, I, you know, you've never seen the Grand Canyon until you've seen the Grand Canyon. Like I'm the Grand Canyon. I was like, yes, that is what I want. I've been waiting a long time. I want what he has because like, I've never known love. I've never been in love. I've only known lust and lust to, in all honesty, lust is better than abstinence. You know, like it, it, it was a roller coaster. You're, you know, you're hurting yourself and other people, but I want love. And when I heard you say that, I was like, yes, that is what I want. Because when you don't, when you've never experienced it for yourself, it's easy to think, oh man, that sounds so boring. It's not monogamy sounds like monotony, you know, but when I heard you say what you said, I was like, that is it. That is it right there. How did you get that though? Did you wait till marriage or did you just get extremely lucky? Remember. I was celibate for nine. I was sexually active as a teenager. I love sex. I love women. But in order to find God, my role model was a monk. He was a monk. He was a celibate. So I was a celibate for nine years. I learned how to meditate. I, you know, I, I love, I love God. Okay. I experienced the energy, the presence. It comes to me. It's very beautiful. But having said that, as soon as I ejaculated after nine years, that tangible experience of spirit disappeared 
it was amazing what a diff i felt like i just went down and i experienced a black a dark night of the soul oh my gosh i can't believe we're talking about this because I, I just was talking about this in a vlog last week i can't believe you mentioned that go ahead i'm sorry well it, it's because see a part of spirituality is we rise up we rise up sex is taking what's up all the way down into the body and so all of the repressed emotions and this is psychology now it's spirituality dark night of the soul you find god then what happens is now you got to live your life you bring that into the world dark light can only enter the darkness light doesn't move to light light is there it's only moves into the darkness and we're here as servants of the light and so what happened is my monk years oh so much meditation so much positivity so much comfort in, in the divine now I ejaculated, I'm in the world. And when you ejaculate, you don't have that potency to keep you up there. It's potency. You know, you, you, I can look at your face and see, you know, you've got potency, although you still masturbate. So you don't have full potency. I'm not perfect. I mean, I, I'm working on it. Yeah, but you're good. You're good. You, you can just see how much people, you know, some of these guys are just masturbating to porn all the time. It's literally worse than cocaine because they're addicted to it. They make no prolactin and they crave it and they crave it and and here's the biology of it porn produces higher levels of dopamine than a woman could ever produce mm. so when you experience think of porn as like uh it produces high levels of dopamine heroin okay and heroin cocaine now we understand the science very clearly of cocaine for example high dopamine stimulation is like looking into the bright sun and your pupils constrict and then you go into a normal room, you can't see anything. Yeah. Same thing, you get high dopamine stimulation, dopamine receptors constrict, and now you come to a, a normal stimulation of a woman you love, and it's like being in a dark room and your pupils don't open up. See, yeah. you become addicted to, in order to feel passion and aliveness, I need that high dopamine stimulation. And the more you depend on say Oreo cookies to feel good, broccoli doesn't taste so good. Wow. See how that is? But if you give up the sugar, you give up the cookies, within three days, broccoli will taste fantastic. The same thing I suggest for people. If you're in a relationship, have sex Saturday night, make sure it's only with somebody who loves you and you love them. Then don't masturbate or have sex for six days and look how you feel on the seventh day. Mm. You wake up with the hardest erection, you have such a feeling of selflessness if you're a man, such romantic feelings. And what happens is you recondition your brain to be attracted to your wife. Now here's a phenomenon. Nobody's ever written a book on this one. I haven't put it in my books yet, but this is all based on research. It comes out, then I can teach these ideas. So in psychology, it's the, the foundation of all psychology is an idea called conditioned response. You know that thing, it's a Pavlovian response. If you uh, put a dog and they're eating food and you ring a bell, they're salivating. And each time they eat the food, you ring a bell a few times. Then the dog's over here, there's no food, but you ring the bell and the dog will start to salivate. That's the unconscious brain is fully conditioned. Now sex is ruled by the unconscious brain. That erection, you can't control it, doesn't go up when you want it to, doesn't go down when you want it to. Just, as a mind of its own, right? It's run by something other than your conscious mind. Now you can consciously direct it. That's what you can learn to do. And you can also consciously not 
have to ejaculate. That's a more advanced stage than just monogamy is putting it where you say you're going to put it. But then, then you get to the next level of total freedom, which I'll get to in a moment. But with the way the brain works with conditioning, why so many couples who've been married for 20, 30 years don't have sex? Yeah, I want to talk about that. Why they don't. And they had it in the beginning. It's there, the potential. And then they have their reasons. They, oh, we're so tired. Oh, it's not that important. Oh, it's not that. Because they don't feel the passion. You right. know, with passion, <laughs> you wake up in the night and say, honey, I lost control. I need you now. <laughs> and, you know, this is like wonderful feelings to have. This is youthful feelings. This is aliveness feelings. At 70 years old, I expect to have this at 100 years old. Uh, you know, Dave Asbury, you told me <laughs> he wants to live to 100 and something. 180. I, I, oh, he's beating me, but that's okay. My number is 134. Uh, easy, easy. Well, you know, the, there. The, the, um, the Taoists in the Asian tradition where 5,000 years ago, men understood the potency of not ejaculating. They said, I think it's like 8,000 ejaculations and you die. <laughs> they had some number for it. Because uh, it is potency, and yeah. and you've only got so much. So there's stories of men who had hundreds of children, and they they probably ejaculated a hundred times. That's nothing, uh, but they lived hundreds of years. This is like, and if you look in the Bible, these guys lived for hundreds of years. This was not that rare because people understood the loss of sexual energy depletes you as a man. So. And so Dave said, though, that the flip side of that is for women, it's actually healthy to, to uh, you know, orgasm. If there's no, there's no loss of energy for women to orgasm if each time they feel loved. Mm. They have to be, feel loved. Now, here's the issue for women, which is, and this is what I'm about to get to, psychological conditioning. I'll do it first for the man, then for the woman. Imagine, here you are. When you have sex and you have an orgasm with a woman, you're basically your testosterone has reached its highest level. And then estrogen shoots up and now your testosterone goes down. Well, for men, all well-being primarily has to do with testosterone. So now you've associated with being close to her with a loss of testosterone. That's a conditioned response. She suddenly is that little bell that says testosterone goes down. So you will lose your, basically the, repeating that experiment of ejaculating and then losing interest in her temporarily. After a while, you're just going to be around her and lose interest that you created a conditioned response is that when I'm with her, my testosterone goes down. But that woman over there, when I'm with her, my testosterone doesn't go down. So what happens is that's the roving eye and that's the lusting eye and men are like slaves to it monogamy with great sex is freedom. I tell you the freedom I had, you know, as a teenager, like, oh, can I get sex with her? I want to have sex with her. Oh, if I could get her, oh, I never get her. Oh, I want it. I can't get it. What is life fulfilling when everything you want, you can't have? Right. But see, marriage is a commitment to work through your issues. So you come back to love and you can make love together. And so the freedom of not ever having to lust after another woman, Another example of that that maybe more people can relate to is when I, when, I, uh, when I was younger, I didn't have a house and then I made money and I could have a house. So once I started making money, I could have a house. I'm always looking for a house. What's the best house for me? What can I afford? What can I get? You know? And then finally, 
I got my house. I've been here for 27 years to this house. And I never look at other houses. I never go, oh, I wish I could have that house. I wish I could have that house. There's no emptiness in my life. I've got the house of my dreams. I have the woman of my dreams. Why do I need elsewhere? It's, it's a reality if every week you're making love. You've got to, so what happens, that conditioned response, you pull away, but if you don't ejaculate for six days, your testosterone doubles in the presence of your partner and you get something called counter conditioning. So in the presence of her, your testosterone goes up and then it goes down and there's a conditioning and then there's a counter conditioning. So you don't let it become strong conditioning. Now, if you masturbate during the week, you're never gonna get that free, that reconditioning. The flip side of this, and so over time you lose interest in your partner. You feel like, oh, I'm just tired. Not about tiredness. When you were dating, you were not or married in the first few years, you were not too tired to have sex. You'd do whatever you could. It's the most energizing thing there is until you do it too much. So, too much. so okay, so once a week, have sex with your wife once a week and and ejaculate. Just yeah. don't masturbate during the week. That's basically most important thing. Most important yeah. because I, you know the studies are, and I, I've researched them for my book. Is well, the divorce rate's fifty percent. That's pretty well documented or yeah. known. But 50% of the people that stay married, so half of the half that stay married, stop having regular sex after year four. So that's terrible, right? Because first off, you got a one and two shot of getting divorced, but then you got a one and two shot of even having regular sex after four years. So I've always, you know, my thought has always been it's because people aren't waiting. They're having sex too quickly before they figure out who the person is. Then they get a soul tie connection through oxytocin and they drift into a relationship in the marriage and then they're unhappily married. So, well, first of all, so you know, oxytocin lowers testosterone. I don't know that I knew that. Yeah, nobody talks about that. They discuss, I was talking about oxytocin in the 90s, but the research finally came out about it. I just did it from the point of view of, I would observe men and women, I'm an observer. I'd go to the mall and I'd watch. Now, women used to be very different uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. <laughs> they were way more from Venus than they are now. Uh, and so, when you'd be in the mall, you'd sit there and you'd watch a woman with a baby carrying a baby. Women would be like bees to the honey, you know, bees to the flower. And you'd see their faces would glow. Literally like if you actually, a woman has a real orgasm, her cheeks will become very, very pink. Her whole face becomes full of very pink cheeks. That's why women put on rouge. They don't realize that they put this pink on here because subconsciously it says to the man that she's having an orgasm in your presence. So a man will look. High heels. High heels is because when a woman is on her back and she's climaxing, her toes will point out like that. And so what's happening is she simulates that by, by walking on high heels causes the muscles that clench during an orgasm. It's all to look. And ironically, if you understand Chinese acupuncture, women who have high heels that downward movement actually blocks the sexual channels and makes you less of a sexual being <laughs> as opposed to practice this exercise, which is going like this and then like that, getting that. Anyway, there's so many things you can do to increase sex channels, but the most important, I don't wanna get distracted, is, is abstinence from ejaculating. And if you're in a love relationship, never ejaculate if the woman doesn't love you, then you'll be addicted to sex. Mm. Sex is in a massive addiction. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's literally, 
you know, for people who don't have any consciousness of love and commitment to peace and love and kindness and forgiveness, hate is an automatic reaction. Uh, violence is an auto, if somebody's violent to you. I remember George Bush saying, you know, at 9-11, he says, you know, I'm a nice guy, I'm a loving guy, but if they're gonna do this to us, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna get you. And so right there is the whole rationalization of violence, okay? That's the monkey brain says, you hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you. You know, that's the message of Jesus, which is that it's not turned to cheek in order to have somebody hurt you again, but it's not to hurt them back. That's turned the other cheek. You don't hurt back. You yeah. learn how to communicate. That's what we teach little boys. You know, use your words, don't use your fists. We're all monkeys. That's what we have to get. And when it comes to sex, when you have sex the way monkeys do, it really makes you more of a monkey. So you argue more, you know, couples know yelling and screaming and complaining is not loving. It's not loving, but they get married. Now they're playing ping pong, hitting the ball back and forth. You did this. Now you did that, but you said this, but you didn't do that. It's like children talking. Mm -hmm. You know, I looked at the, the debates this year, whether you're Republican or, or, or oh Democrat. There's like kids up there, the bullies and arguing and put down. This is not dignified behavior. We're supposed to be adults. You can't be a human adult if your hormones are out of balance. This is biologically proven. When you're in a stress hormone for men, your estrogen levels are going too high and your testosterone is going down. That's a stress hormone. For women, their testosterone is going up and their estrogen is going down. Then they're having a stress hormone. Now, once you have the stress hormone, blood flow stops to the front part of the brain and goes to the reactive brain, which is completely conditioned from childhood. Complete, you're just a copy of your parents at that point and they're a copy of their parents and their parents and their parents back to the monkeys. And if you're feeling hate or feeling hurt or feeling threatened or feeling shame, any of those intense emotions, you're way out of the front part of the brain. You're way back in the, in the primitive, most primitive unconscious part of the brain. So we have all of this good knowledge that remind us to come back to the front brain. And why I say all that is back on the subject of sex. As soon as you, as soon as you have sex like a monkey, you start acting like a monkey. And monkeys, first of all, have sex without love, one. And two, monkeys always ejaculate. And if you wanna make a baby, ejaculate. Otherwise, learn how to have sex without ejaculating. And it's not a loss. I know it seems like a loss because men think having an orgasm is the same thing as having ejaculation. Actually, they're two different things. Yes, I want to hear about that. A friend told me about that you can have an orgasm without ejaculating. And that, I, I've never heard that before. So I'm very curious about this. Okay, so it doesn't happen overnight, first of all. This, you know, if you want to, you, you lift weights? Yeah. All right, so... I just lifted, I went up five pounds in my weights in the last three weeks, okay? So I do five pounds more. I woke up this morning and I got such a knot here. I mean, it's <laughs> like a being all in itself, okay? You practice, you build up your strength, right? You build and you build and you build. So you have to build your sexual potency. It could take maybe about three to six months before you have, you don't ejaculate with all the sex you have you do it with somebody you love and you don't ejaculate and I'm gonna to get to it, but you don't have an orgasm either. What you do is you're building up your sexual potency. Then each time you get closer and closer to actually having something beyond an orgasm where you're just like 
out of this world pleasure to the nth degree. And you can just fuck and fuck and fuck and fuck and fuck and fuck. And she's screaming her head off and you're having a fun time. Okay. It's spectacular. I hope I'm okay to use that language here. I, I, I speak that language. It's all right. Okay. All right. That's right. You were a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> that's got it. You so know, how long? Like, so is how long does it take to get to that? I'm curious. Okay, so how you get to that? Okay. Yeah. So you have to do certain physical exercises to reverse your. See, the sex is so automatic. It's so unconscious. Okay. It's not like you just. It just happens. Your your unconscious mind. You set conditions and it does it. You have to start learning to be in control of it. Okay. So there there's you have to actually change the way you thrust. Now, the way you, this is the physical, then I'll get to the skill. The physical part of it is, if you talk to any trainer or any, uh, any person who's really into muscular, they'll say women's pelvis is much looser than a man's, okay? You've got to, we need a way, a real clear, relaxed pelvic movement. Mm -hmm. What men do is when they, when they thrust, they tend to use their, their butt and squeeze the anus and push in, okay? It's a squeezing of the anus. So you have to practice squeezing your butt, your butt muscles, your buttocks really tight without sucking up your anus. So this is learning how to keep your anus relaxed. So the energy is flowing around your body and you're, but you've got the muscles tight and you learn to use your leg muscles and all the way down to your feet. All those muscles are engaged when you contract your buttocks. Ab work is very, very important to do that. So you're sucking in your abs, you're squeezing your buttocks, and you're not, uh, you're keeping your anus completely relaxed. Now, every time I pee, for example, I have my buttocks squeeze my prostate and push the fluid out. Okay. So every time I get to practice that, also you have, you put a brick between your legs, you cover it with a towel, and you use that brick as a weight and you practice thrusting for five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, get those muscles practicing, engaging without contracting the anus, which is very easy if you've got a brick there. And oh, also, where's the brick? Where's the brick? It's, uh, I'm not. Uh, is it like hanging from something? No, you just put it between your thighs and hold oh, it together. I see. So pull it all the way up close to your business. I get, okay, and, gotcha. and now you're basically doing your pelvic movement back and forth, back and forth, like you're thrusting, like you're having sex with the air, but you're lifting this brick. And so you're building those muscles and the muscle memory of how to use your whole body in a thrust without contracting your anus. So that's sort of the goal. Now, another way to develop those muscles for that is uh, uh, plies from ballet. Now I got this idea because <laughs> I also studied Chinese Taoism, who they teach how to do this. And there's a, something called the crane exercise, but it's also an exercise that's done in ballet. And it's also the exercise that, well, there's also the knowledge of Brizhnikov, you know the name? The, 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 yeah, the ballet guy, Macau, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a stud. He had sex with all the women. He could go <laughs> on and on and on because he knew how to do plies. See, it's those muscles, you never need to ejaculate unless you want to ejaculate. And once you experience not needing to ejaculate and being able to go on for hours and hours and days and days and days, the semen builds up in your body. And each time you get to a higher level of pleasure, of pleasure, of pleasure. And her body responds to that pleasure 
we've already know that when a man's testosterone goes up, it causes a woman's estrogen to go up. Likewise, a woman's estrogen goes up. That's when she feels a lot of love. It will cause your testosterone to go up. This is communication through smell. We have these pheromones that send out and the pheromones intensify according to how high the hormones get. And so what happens is when you can last and you're taking her through the stages of arousal and you're not in a hurry, this is all fun. There's no goal to get to where you're trying to release. Your goal is to stay in the game. And so you got slow, you go slow, you enjoy everything. And then you get to the intercourse part of it. You get to her G spot, you get beyond that to another spot that shows up after she has an orgasm with the G spot. And literally you can see it like a little erection. It comes off like a quarter. You can't feel it right away in her vagina. It comes up and it's like a leathery touch texture. You press on it or your penis hits it. And then she has a vaginal orgasm. So she has clitoral orgasm. She can have vaginal orgasm. She can have another orgasm, a deeper orgasm. And then she can have what's called a um, cervix orgasm. If you keep her building and building, just like you're doing weightlifting and you're building your energy up, you're building her energy up to her estrogen goes to such high levels along with her testosterone. Then what will happen is her cervix comes down. It literally moves down <laughs> and, and your penis starts moving on her cervix. And then every, every tap of the cervix is an orgasm. It's an or it, so you call at that point orgasmic pleasure, orgasmic pleasure, and you know you become just as verbal as a woman. I mean, you're just like ah ah ah. You know, sometimes you put your mind over her mouth because the police will come. Uh, uh, this is and you know then you do you know pulling her hair and create some intentions. You know, but you know this is all fun and games. Okay, it's all playfulness and the whole idea of and the tantra from India, the tantra from, the Taoism from China. They have all these pictures of postures. The point of the postures, one of the points of the postures is that a man experiences his arousal up to the point where he anticipates I'm gonna to have to ejaculate. This is the skill now. You have to know when you have to stop so that you don't get blue balls. If you get too close to the point of ejaculation and don't ejaculate, you'll have blue balls. So you've got to find that point where you start getting greedy and you want to have more intensity. See, it's like, I want to grab it. I want to, oh, this is good. I want more of it. Instead of what I have is perfect. What I have is perfect. It's really being fully present, being in the moment, enjoying. You practice enjoying the pleasure, but you're also practicing experiencing more love. Now, I'll give you a distinction here that my wife gave me. It was after seven years of marriage, I think it was. And it was one of those times where, you know, the conditions were right. It just went on for a long time. It was orgasmic. It was spectacular. It was fireworks. So afterwards, I'm sitting back like king of the world and I ejaculated. And then I, I said, uh, wow, that was amazing, honey. That was like, uh, that was like as good in the beginning, as good as in the beginning. And she looked at me and she says, oh, it was much better than the beginning. And I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? You faking in the beginning? <laughs> she said, no, no, no. She said, in the beginning, sex was great, but we didn't really know each other that much. Mm. Now you've seen the best of me and the worst of me, and you still adore me. That's making love. That's what makes it better. And I just, she just had to say that. And I realized, yeah, 
I know who I'm having sex with. I'm in love with this person and having sex with her allows me to experience more of that love. That's what we have to realize. We call it making love because it increases our potential to be in love. You know, I wasn't in love with my wife the whole time. I always loved her, but I wasn't always feeling like in love with her unless she undressed. I, I immediately go into erection. Erection causes me to be in love, okay? I'm <laughs> like right there. But what it does is by taking time for that energy that I have so quick to go into her body, then when she orgasms, it comes back to me and it comes back and it circulates back and around. It's just sharing. When a stranger, your energy just goes out. It doesn't come back because love is uniting. Love is connecting. So if, you know, we see it obviously with a child, you know, if you have children, you give to your children, you're giving to yourself. It's very selfish. <laughs> I tell my wife all the time, honey, I'm the most selfish man in the world. If I could do things that make you happy, it makes me feel good. Right. You know, so that's what, I, that's the wisdom of this. And I'm telling you, monogamy keeps that energy flowing. As soon as you ejaculate, you got to start over. Not totally start over, but you're starting over. I noticed as I didn't have that research yet, I noticed that if I had sex twice that week, this is after many years in the marriage and we had a lot of sex, then I'd find myself withdrawing, becoming grumpy, a little irritable. She would be more bitchy. You know, the connection wasn't there because coming back to psychology of conditioning, what happens to a woman when she orgasms is maximum estrogen, okay? It goes to a very high level. And at that time, she literally goes out of her mind. You know, she's in her emotions fully. And, and that's a relief for women because they tend to be too much in their head. They're always worrying, they're always thinking. And now they can just be totally in the moment and just open up. And when she, it's a surrendering, it's like, I'm yours. I open myself to you. If you think I'm lovable, I'm lovable. If you think I'm a bitch, I'm a bitch. They have no protection in that moment. Mm -hmm. So she surrenders herself, opens her heart up, and then suddenly he ejaculates and now he withdraws. What conditioning did she get? Yeah. I open up and he leaves me. Mm. This is just what happens. Right. This is the conditioning, whereas her body after a while just goes, I'm not gonna open up that much. It'd be like, you know, you go to a job and they just keep, they, that you worked really hard and they didn't pay you. You kind of go, well, I'm not gonna work so hard. And for women, it's just the opposite, but it's the same concept. I opened up and I lost him. So opening up becomes a fearful thing. And right. already women live in a world maybe 10 times more fear than men, generally speaking. And this is biology. Their estrogen is 10 times higher. So their ability to feel fear is 10 times more. Their experience of moderate stress is measurable in their body as eight times more blood flow goes to the emotional part of the brain of fear. For a man under moderate stress, we actually detach and say, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. It's not a problem. Until then he feels insecure and threatened. Then it, the stress is a big one. Then his testosterone goes down, his estrogen goes up, and then men are more fearful than women. And we get mad often if, if that's our defense reaction. Some men, they fight, they flight, they run away, or they fake or they fold, they just give in. And you can see these men whose wives are driving them around, they're just sort of giving in. <laughs> driving your wife in a car is the best foreplay on the planet. Why? Because her life is in danger if you're driving and you're driving in a way that makes her feel safe. 
If you can drive a car in a way that makes a woman feel safe, she's going to produce maximum oxytocin. Mm. And what oxytocin does, it makes you feel safe. It's the hormone of safety. When women, when anybody feels safe, then they can relax and receive. And so the estrogen is the hormone of receiving. I don't have to do anything. I can enjoy myself. That's estrogen. So testosterone is, I have to do it. If, if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. It's my job. I right. got to do it. That's what makes me get up in the morning is I have to do it. Right. And that's a challenge for, for older men who sort of made it to whatever extent they can make it. Some men go, well, I'm not going to do more. I'll just retire. For me, it's I have enough money to never have to work. So why do I get up and do this? Because I'd be depressed if I didn't. I hear you know, work is a testosterone producer. And a man should primarily get his testosterone from his work and then overflow to his partner. He should never look to her as the major source of testosterone, but it's through her and her love that you can go higher than normal levels of testosterone. So we have to have a paradigm that says, I'm not responsible for her happiness. She's not responsible for my happiness. That's where grownups, we're responsible for our happiness. But the point of a marriage is an independence where interdependence, where I can actually take you from happy to happier. Mm. You can take me from happy to happier. That's the joy of a marriage when you have those skills to do it. And I don't, most people today can't do it because we need a whole new set of skills. It's another set of skill set. It's like shifting software from, from Apple <laughs> to, to IBM or whatever, Microsoft. Oh my God, I used to be Microsoft. Then I went to Apple for 20 years or 25. And recently I got a, a, a for business reasons, I started doing Microsoft. It, it's hell, <laughs> shifting <laughs> language. You got to learn the language. And what's happened in the world today is the relationship language has dramatically changed. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. a, a wonderful Christian book, uh, The Five Love Languages. He's a brilliant man. Uh, and what's, what's lacking in his message, and I, I, I love everything he says, but what's lacking in his message is that men and women are different and we have primary needs. And if you're unhappy, you don't know what you're needing, otherwise you'd be getting it. Mm. And you'd be asking for it in a way that would work because you would understand your partner's needs. And all of those five languages, I just mentioned this. I love it. I love him. I think he's brilliant. But those five languages is all producing estrogen. So it makes you feel loved, but it doesn't promote your testosterone. So we have to understand for women, if you complain to your man, you're knocking down his testosterone. What you do to build it up is you appreciate him. You forgive his mistakes and you trust him. You depend on him and you ask for help. And it, how do, what do you ask for help when you're a competent woman? You can do everything yourself. Do you so have to what, be weak? Wouldn't words of affirmation classify as what you just said uh, about appreciation? Because that's a... Well, it depends on what words of affirmation you would use. Hmm. The words of affirmation for a man is, what a brilliant idea. That was so helpful. What a great idea. Oh, my gosh. Uh, or here's a word of affirmation. You're such a loving and giving guy. That doesn't raise your testosterone. That raises your estrogen. You're a good person as right. opposed to you're a competent person. Mm. So we all need affirmation. But the affirmation that women need is, oh, honey, you look so beautiful today. Oh, I see you got your hair cut. Oh, I come by and stroke your hair. Every woman needs affection. And if she doesn't think she needs that, 
then that's what she needs most. She needs to look at her resistance to feeling affection because there's nothing more powerful for production of oxytocin than physical non-sexual touch. Mm. Like I learned, my wife had to teach me. She said, John, when you come into the room, walk nearby me and touch my shoulder, pet my hair, acknowledge my presence. And I would never think that. I don't need somebody to come touch me or whatever. But in the bedroom, I like it. See, there's different places. So words of affirmation is certainly we all need that. Acts of service, we all need that. But acts of service is primarily what our female side needs to have somebody do things for me. So let's say I'm a guy and I say to my wife, okay, honey, what really makes me feel good is acts of service. So she goes, okay, I'll cook for you. I'll clean for you. I'll do these things that women traditionally did. Every man's going to love that. And after a while, he's not getting an erection. Why? Because he's not doing stuff for her. Right. It makes her feel loved and special, carrying things, offering to do things, helping her clean up. These are things where she needs to feel he's doing things for me. Now, this is not in our history because in the past, men did stuff outside the house and a woman couldn't do things outside the house. So therefore she massively appreciated that a man did those things for her. So in the home, she didn't need these acts of love to show her that she was loved and special. And the more a woman is independent, the more she needs these things that produce estrogen. So yeah, most of those five things all produce estrogen. And we, we have to focus on creating the space to support the masculine side. Yeah. And they really don't do that so clearly. So I love his message. I just add Mars Venus to it. I think any psychological message is missing the boat if you treat everybody the same. I love if you it. Do, you're missing the boat. We are so different. And what affects us is different. What's good for women is not always good for men. What's good for men is not always good for women. So this would be like you're in an argument with your girlfriend or your wife. And she says to you, you're not listening. And a guy will say back, well, you're not listening to me. No, nope, that doesn't work. She says, you're not listening. You say, okay, help me understand better. That's a takeaway for all the guys. Just learn that phrase. Help me understand that better. What that does, it puts you back in control of the conversation. You're no longer resisting her. Your testosterone goes up because you're embracing her. You're doing something that you know is what she needs most, mm -hmm. not your ideas and solutions and their fix-its or telling her, don't do that. See, what we tend to do to cope with stress is minimize the problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, we minimize. So that would be like, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Forget it. Oh, it's just feelings. Oh, let's just watch TV. Let's go have sex. Or whatever it is, is minimize. This is not a big deal. And we say that to women. And then that what they would do is amplify. They already amplify. So we minimize and they will amplify more and we will minimize more where they will amplify more. That's what happens. This is what monkeys do. And so if you're a monkey and you don't have communication skills, if somebody steps on your foot, you go out. And if that other person steps on your foot again, you go, oh, they must not have heard me. So you go, ow, ow, <laughs> you amplify and you amplify. And then you become addicted to amplifying, just like men become addicted to having sex online and to masturbation. It is the most addictive thing in the world to masturbate, which is why every culture, unfortunately, shame people for it because we lived in a world of shame and guilt as opposed to innocence and recognizing it's very innocent, but there's consequences. 
there are things that work and there's things that don't work. And there's a place where it can work and there's a place where it doesn't work. And if you're a young teenager and you're exploring your sexuality and you masturbate, okay, you're just exploring. You, by the way, you have a lot of testosterone after 14 or 15, so you can explore and lose a little bit. <laughs> but, but the knowledge of what works is that it works better in your life if you don't masturbate. And that's why we have something called culture. Learn to play a musical instrument will actually free you from having to release that creative life force. Creativity, reading, writing, performing, singing, dancing, exercising, all those things help sublimate the sexual energy, which is this life force. If you don't have those things in your life, then attention builds up and you have to release and the monkey brain takes over and you do it. And once you do it, it produces so much dopamine that now it becomes an addiction. Meanwhile, for me, how I did it, it was amazing. I mean, now I look in retrospect because I meditated. You know, I was a yogi. I was a meditator. I used to meditate first three hours a day, then six hours a day, then eight hours a day, then 12 hours a day, then 15 hours a day. You know, that's 25 books I've written, written over there. I write them in a month. I write 18 hours straight. I just, I don't like writing, but I do it because I have a message. I want to bring it to the world. So I go, okay, I'm going to go do it. And my wife was so gracious because she's going to get nothing from me for that month because all my energy is going into those books, just like it all went into meditation and it's creativity. We're creative beings. Sex is a creative energy. You, you, I, it sounds like sex transmutation. Yes, that's what it is. So okay. if I was, if I was you and I was celibate, I would have something that was creative as a way of serving that energy has to create life. Mm. And if you don't use that energy in a way to create life, to support life for yourself or someone else, attention will build up and you just, you lose control. You've got to do it. It's an addiction. That's what addictions are. People say, I'm not going to do it. And then the next day they do it. People say, Oh, I'm not going to eat sugar, but the next day you do it. It's, it's a, you lose control. It's this lower part of your brain is controlling you. And one of the greatest powers to define your ability of self-control, autonomy, autonomy, finding your source of happiness and love inside your heart is when it comes down to that sexual impulse. It is the most powerful drive, that and eating. Mm -hmm. I think for women, it's eating. And for men, it's, it's the, the sex drive to ejaculate. And for women, it's to eat. Because when women eat uh, more than what they need or higher stimulation carbohydrates, it numbs them to their feelings, allows them to avoid whatever uncomfortable feelings that they're not looking at and solving. For men, we, we need love so much. See, men are not aware of what they need. If they did, we'd get it. it. What we need, the only reason we desire sex even, it's through sex that we get a glimpse of love. It's through sex that we open up. And this is biologically proven. Love is estrogen. And when you're aroused, your estrogen levels are going up. Then when it goes up higher than your testosterone, you ejaculate. And once you ejaculate, that becomes your monkey. And it's already in the programming. Once you get aroused to ejaculate, to ejaculate. And for some men, different body types have a greater need to ejaculate faster. So the, you know, the training for men who, who uh, the, a big problem today is the premature ejaculation as well. And this cures that by training. You do those muscle trainings, the brick, the plies, do ab training, you know, good, strong abs, okay? And 
and learn to contract the buttocks without the anus contracting. These are some basic principles. Your body has to have muscle memory. Then the next thing you wanna do is you're a single guy and you wanna train yourself to masturbate without orgasming. Okay, so that's the way you're going to think about in the beginning is no orgasm, but really it's no ejaculation this is for the married guys. Let me just add that because I, there's a lot of people that follow me that are, uh, you know, they're I know, waiting. I know, I respect that. And, and you know, <laughs> they're Christians, I, I, they're Christians, and they're waiting. And so like, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I, I try to tell, tell I don't advocate advocate for masturbation at all, actually, uh, okay. because I feel like it just a thought leads to an action kind of thing. But I, you know, I, I would think if you were if in you marriage, are masturbating, if you're, if you're married and you're masturbating, thinking about your wife, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. That's a personal belief. Um, no, there's not, nothing wrong. But if you want to create more passion in your life, I'm telling you, think about your wife. You can touch your penis, gently touch it, look at the clock. This is for men who have premature ejaculation. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you, first of all, you're not doing it to get turned on. You're not looking at pictures to get turned on, but you just are turned on because you're a bit addicted to sex, even when your wife's not there once a week. So now you've got this erection. It's just sitting there. What do you do with it? You touch it with the goal of not having an orgasm. You say to yourself, you see, you've got control up here. I'm not doing this to have an orgasm. I'm not doing this to ejaculate. I'm doing this to train my brain to not have to ejaculate. So you just touch yourself and you know there's a place you would get to where if you stopped, you would, well, first of all, you know there's a place you get though that's called the point of no return. So you wanna stop a good minute or two before you get to the point of no return. And the idea of having different positions in sex, one is it's fun because women get very bored with one position, but it's variety creates stimulation. But two is the man will tend to go to that point way before the point of no return and then stop, just pull out. And that actually increases desire for a woman. See women in sex, they're hugging you. They're attaching, you're wrapping your penis around. So they're grabbing you, you pull away, they wanna grab back. It increases more attachment in her. So you're in there, then just come out and then move her around, get another position and then start over. The whole idea is start over, start over. And each time you build and you build and you build and your body can hold more energy more pleasure because that's what an ejaculation is it's my pleasure i can't handle anymore I'm, i can't take it i'm laughing because most of the people that uh you know are going to watch this are probably not having sex and i'm like it's just, just torturing them oh. <laughs> <laughs> but well, anyway i was celibate nine years it's the greatest thing you'll ever do yeah so you sublimate that energy delayed Sublim gratification uh, let me ask you two two last questions before you get off um number one well, since we're on this, let's go ahead and keep stay with the theme. Somebody, a, a listener asked, uh, they say women hit their sexual peak right around 40. Curious what your thoughts are on sexual peaks for men and women. Uh, let me just make sure my, uh, yeah, we have to finish up too. Uh, <clears throat> my experience as well as research says a woman's sexual peak tends to be around 35. Uh, we live in lives in cycles of seven. And cycles of seven, seven years old, we tend to go to school away from our parents. Uh, other kids become more what we're involved with as opposed to our parents as much. Then 13, 14, we tend to hang out with the guys, girls hang out with the girls. Our hormones completely change at that time. New self-discovery. 21, third cycle, fourth cycle of seven, a third cycle of seven begins. It's more of a sense of autonomy. 
knowing who we are, experimenting, exploring, being ourselves. I was so fortunate at the time of autonomy, I really was totally autonomous. I wasn't in a relationship. Uh, I was with relationship with God. I found God inside myself and I'm a happy guy uh, just meditating. Then I came out of that. And then now it was time to come into the world through relationship and everything I had ignored uh, to rise above came up. And that's the dark night of the soul. Unfortunately, we have psychology that helps us to process that because when your unresolved issues from childhood and wounds in your past, when they show up, you have to have the presence of mind to go, that person is not responsible for how I feel. They have triggered how I feel. They triggered it. And now I have the job of processing that, learning how to feel it and let it go. And I've written whole books on how to do that. What You Feel You Can Heal, my first book, was teaching you how to deal with your own issues and take responsibility for it to go from being upset to coming back to believing. And all oh, my journey, I mean, I remember when I made millions of dollars and then my lawyer took it all. So I was almost penniless after making millions of dollars because I was ripped off, fraud. I One guy had to go to jail. I mean, it's amazing because I'm this trusting guy and whatever. But I remember at that moment, it's like, do I even believe in God? You know, I started to test my belief that God, you know, God supports me all the time. It supports everybody. But it was such a dark cloud. But I had to realize that was a little boy inside who who felt, you know, alone and it was abandoned. You know, at one point I lost my family and I was alone and abandoned with strangers. I didn't know if I ever see my family again. That was a trauma, but it woke up. Spirituality opens us up. Love opens us up to everything that's not loving inside of us and not believing in God, not believing in ourselves, not believing in love and goodness. It comes up and we have to learn how to process that. And that's from 27 to 35. At 35, that's where I have a stronger sense of who we are. Around 28 to 20, 35, uh, it's right at the time of 28 is the highest level of divorce, by the way. And that's because around 28, the brain actually develops up here to where you actually have the ability to self-reflect and overcome a lot of the challenges of being a people pleaser and learning how to make sure you're getting what you need as you give to somebody else. And it's around 35 that women have mastered that ability to be in themselves and be there for somebody else. And suddenly then this sex drive kicks in. And so, yes, that's what the research shows. That's what many women experience. Now there's this whole Gen Z generation where girls are extremely sexual, extremely sexual, but they're not having real orgasms. They don't even, they feel pressured to do it. They're pressured to be sexual. And you first talk to them, well, do you like sex? Oh yeah, I like sex or whatever. But then you go deeper and deeper. And the reason they're having sex is not because they want to have sex. They want to feel desired. They want to feel accepted. They don't want to be alone. They don't want to be labeled a prude. And this is very important for women to realize is that if a man wants to have sex with you and you want to stay not having sex, what you can say to him is, you know, I like you so much. And I would love to have sex with you because when I'm with you, we kiss, it feels so good. I love it. And I know one day I will have sex with you, but not now. That's it. And maybe you don't give them a whole lecture on, I don't have sex till I'm married. It's okay to lead them on for a while. <laughs> and then you can say, you know, I love you so much. I don't want to have sex until we're married. You know, I live in a world where, you know, the majority of people do have sex out there. And what I know, what I say to these women when they're with guys, they feel so pressured by our culture and the promiscuity and all of that, that they're just gonna do whatever everybody's doing. And then what happens is guys don't call back. Guys are not interested in you. Because if you have sex right away with a guy before he loves who you are, 
before you can be who you are, before you have shared who you are, before he's done things to prove that you're more important to him than anybody else. Then when you have sex, his testosterone goes up, it goes down, but his estrogen is still in his heart and his mind. He still feels bonded to you. Yeah. So I talked to Don Masler. Do you know Don Masler? No. I got a, so she has a great Ted talk, how your brain falls in love. And she almost compares it to a roller coaster where it has to build, 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 build before it goes down. And if you don't give that time to build, uh, you know, I know for me when I I had a ton of one night stands and the moment I ejaculated, it was like any feeling I had toward that girl just shot out the end of my dick. It was gone immediately. Gone. Gone. And And, and any negative aspect to her that you overlooked when you were turned on becomes magnified. You know, there was a, a comedian who had sex with a woman and a one night stand and I forget his name. Uh, but then they showed him after having sex with him, he's lying there and he's looking at her t- big toe and her big toe is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> I remember Eddie Murphy and Boomerang. He that's was like, it, that's yeah, it. Yeah, Eddie. yeah, it was that movie. That was hilarious. Okay, last, last question and I'll let you get off of here. Uh, and you can just, you know, lightning round, you can give me a, a short answer. What is the best piece of advice that you have for older singles? It is a crazy world out there for people that are trying to date. You know, like the, for women, I feel terrible for women, actually, because men just expect the sex right away. And if you yeah. don't, they can just find it so easily elsewhere um, so that, you know, it's hard. It's hard out there for for men and women, but sp- specifically women. So what would you would tell an older, not just an older yes, woman, but just I, an actually, older I single your, person? I asked, answered your question before you asked it is those men have such a pressure on their ego to have sex with you. So you, you can kiss and make out with them and then they're gonna want more. And you say, oh, let's go slow. And he says, but why, but why don't you wanna do it? And you say, oh God, I wanna do it. Oh God, I wanna do it. I just know that for me, I need to go slow. He's gonna say, well, how, how slow? What is it, three days, six days? What's your deal? You just go, I just need to feel, I can be myself and feel safe <clears throat> that I can reveal all of me and then sex is great. And I can't wait for that day. You, you, you just let him off of his ego feeling like he failed. There's so much pressure on men as well to score, just as there's pressure on women to not let a man down and to say yes. So take your time. But I have way more to say to older women, okay, who are not in marriage. Okay, you're not married unless your husband died and you had a great relationship. Let's put you guys to the cell. Let's just say you didn't have a great marriage. <clears throat> You've got problems and it's not the men in your life. You think it's the men in your life. You got problem. You're a good loving person. You gave too much. You didn't understand men. So what you need to do is you need to wait for, you put yourself out there and you find a man who is more interested in you than you're interested in him. If that's the case, you're not looking for a soulmate. You're not looking to get married at this point. You're looking to find out how to improve your relationship skills. Because right now, if you're single and alone, you don't have the right relationship skills. So how do you learn to practice the good relationship skills? It's very hard to practice walking on a tightrope if you have no net. If you have a net, then you can practice. All of my tools and beyond Mars and Venus are dating tools. My book, Mars, Venus on a Date, are dating tools to do the opposite of what you've been doing, basically. So because this is a man that you're not interested in as much as he's interested in you, you have the power 
to not be a people pleaser. You're in the power position of practicing these things. So it will actually make him very, very happy because you're doing the thing. Like you mentioned that woman who wasn't, who was hard to get. I don't say play hard to get. I say you should be hard to get. It doesn't work to just please somebody more than they're pleasing you and go super slow when it comes to sex. There's all kinds of developmental stages that need to come first with, with lots of love from your side. Don't feel like you're using him and it's a bad thing. We men want to be used. Use me to make you happy. I want to do that. Oh, those yeah. poor bastards. You're stringing them along. You're going to break their hearts. No, no, you don't break their hearts. You give them lots of love along the way. And you might discover that they're the one. Or you start out by going, he's not the one. You tell him, I'm not ready for a relationship. Let him be on up front. I'm not, most men are fine when a woman's like, I'm not into having a relationship. They think right away that that means you're into having sex. You're into getting to know him. And maybe we have sex, maybe we don't. You know, you go along with that. He will have the time of his life to experience a woman who's not a people pleaser, who doesn't overgive, who truly can be in her center where she's knowing how to ask for help, knowing how to motivate him, know how to fill him up with love without having to run to sex to make him feel good about himself. There's so much more about learning how to love than we know. And that's what my books are filled with. And that's what we talked about a few of those things today. That's awesome. So let, let me ask you lastly, what are you excited about? What are you working on? What do you want to tell people about? Well, what I'm doing, it's kind of funny to say what I'm excited about. I'm excited about my life. I'm, I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life, but I'm also going through, uh, I'm now at two years, uh, two and a half years of grieving for my wife. Uh, I'll, I'll write it. My, probably my next book will be another book on grieving. Uh, there'll be a book on uh, another book on sex. I have a book, Mars Venus in the Bedroom, but there's so much more research now to back up my more out of the box ideas that we've been talking about. So I'll update that book. Uh, I want to write another book on men are from Mars from my wife's point of view uh, and give her credit for it because half that book is her anyway. Uh, I have a whole bunch of ideas for other books. So see, when I write a book, I sit down and write it in a week, edit it in a week and I'm done. But I've already been teaching the ideas for years. So I've got, you know, I've got a whole book on, on meditation that I, I do. I have a, uh, I've been a meditator for 50 years. So I have uh, simplified it down to a certain sophistication that I can teach people, uh, which is quite wonderful. It fits any religion. You know, all religions are about opening your heart to God and also finding a quiet place inside yourself. So it's kind of like a prayer meditation that I do mm -hmm. and teach people how to feel the spirit of God coming through them. Uh, and you know, when people are putting their hands up in the church, they're doing the same thing. It's, it's, but it's a system that I've developed. I'll teach that technique, which is particularly good when people don't have a church they're going to and putting their hands up in the air and singing those great songs and all that. Mm -hmm. You can do it also in your house every morning when you get up in the morning. So it's a wonderful, that's a wonderful technique. And always, you know, I've got my, my wellness techniques that I teach and people should know that I'm not just teaching ideas at marsvenus.com, I'm a biohacker. I'm totally into you know extra nutrition, extra supplements, extra minerals to produce brain function, detox the gut, restore gut flora. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff I talk about. And it's all free at marsvenus.com. Love it. So awesome. Thank you, John. I really enjoyed this. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hopefully I made you horny enough to go get married. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, you definitely painted a great picture for me to look forward to. I mean, good. Uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah, you need that. You know, the Gen Z, they don't have a good picture. They don't. they don't have any good picture. 
and you know, I'll tell you if I can talk for another moment. Yeah, of course. They're they're a, a more evolved group of people. Every every generation is a little bit more evolved. And evolution, I because of my spirituality, I would say I was sort of ahead of the curve. Clearly, my books are a little bit ahead of the curve. And part of that comes from being able to access both your masculine and feminine qualities. So I can access both. So right now I'm in the flow state. I'm almost always in the flow state, which is when you have both your male and female energies together. That means you're of service, selfless service, and you're having the time of your life. So it's like selfish, but you're doing something for somebody else. Mm. That, that's both the masculine and feminine energies in balance. Your hormones are in balance for your biology. And what we want to do is this new generation has a greater sensitivity to access their male and female size, but they're confused. They're massively confused. They don't have the technology of understanding if you're a boy, you have to generate more male hormones than your female hormones. And if you're a girl, you have to generate more female hormones than your male hormones. But when you have access to both, it's much easier if you're a boy to go to your female side. That's what addiction is. See, female side is depending on something outside yourself to make you happy. And so you sit there and you play video games all day. You take drugs. You, you basically, you eat junk food and you depend too much outside. You tell people to stop being a little bitch. That's right, yeah, yeah, that's it. And they don't have their power. Nobody's leading them in the right direction. And their mothers, unfortunately, I wrote a whole book on boy crisis, another book I've written, talking about the crisis boys are going through because they're growing up without fathers. You see, the boy needs to relate to the father to find his testosterone. He just has too much estrogen connecting with his mother. He needs both, he needs to go back and forth. But when the mother doesn't have a husband, now she has to be on her male side most of the time. Right. And she doesn't trust a man. She can't depend on a man. What's a little boy supposed to experience if mother can't trust the man? We are not set worthy of trust. We're not, I talked oh. about that as being the highest form of love is to trust someone to see the best in them. It doesn't mean you trust them to be perfect. You trust their good intentions. You trust they're doing their best. You trust that they're trying. You see, trusting is not demanding perfection. It's embracing imperfection that you're doing your best and knowing what can I expect from you and what can I not expect from you. It's a whole art of having uh, to find these loving qualities. And because when you're, it takes feeling I can trust you, my husband, for your estrogen to go up. Hmm. If you feel, oh, I can't trust him. He won't do that. He doesn't care. He doesn't love me anymore. He's not interested anymore. What you're doing at that moment is lowering your estrogen with that, that discussion in your brain and you're going over to your male side, which is so I have to do everything myself. So I can't depend on others. I have to do it all myself. Yeah. So little boys growing up with a mother who doesn't trust men, doesn't appreciate men, he doesn't get what he needs to grow into his masculinity. So mm -hmm. we have this confusion of role reversal. Little yeah. girls who quickly go to their male side, they don't wanna get married, they wanna be independent and all that. And it is appropriate in my opinion for a more evolved species to take longer to mature. We see that throughout nature. And so this more evolved species does take an extra seven years to mature. So around 28, they reach that maturity. 21 to 28 is a time to find happiness within yourself and not be overly dependent on others. You can be in relationship, but you shouldn't be overly dependent. And I tell you, for a woman, once she has sex with a guy, one, her heart is broken when he pulls back, or 
she has sex with a guy and they keep having relationships, she tends to be overly dependent. That's the problem for girls is when they have sex without relationship, they sit by the phone waiting to have somebody call. They feel devastated. They feel hurt. They feel abandoned. They get plugged into all kinds of unnecessary feelings because they had sex too soon. I call and it the tra- support. Yeah, I made a, a, a YouTube video, went viral, and I call it the transfer of control. When a woman has sex with a man before a commitment is made, they, they're giving their control over to that man because they become emotionally attached to him. Yes. And now, now all of a sudden, you know, he's not because men want sex and women want security, you know, he's not, he might not be invested in that relationship, you know, and she's now chasing him versus the opposite. Yes, the opposite, it flips and it yeah. shouldn't flip. She should always have that power. And yep. you said something that I sort of reacted to very quickly when you were saying in the, your spiritual context that the more sex you have, the more bonded you will come. And I was pointing out the exception to the rule. If you have regular sex with enough distance in between, you become bonded for a lifetime. Mm. If you have too much sex, too much ejaculation, you lose that attraction, which we see happening in the world today. Mm. And if you learn how to have sex, as I'm mentioning, which is an art and a, you know, you, there's lots of books on this and whatever, I have my own approach that I just mentioned, but you develop this ability to enjoy physical intimacy, pleasure and love and talking while you have sex, expressing what you feel again and again. I love you so much. You're so beautiful. Oh my God, I just want to blah, blah, blah. You know, these are all loving sex talk. Don't have to use dirty talk for it. You can use loving sex talk. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it basically connects you more and you don't feel that need to end it. You see, we want to get the experience of being in the moment and enjoying it without trying to end it because that's what an ejaculation is. It's the end. It's too I, you know, Yeah, I was always... I was always disappointed when I <laughs> ejaculated because for me, it was like, you know, when, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, you're hungry and you eat and then you get full and you're like, damn, I kind of want to eat some more. I always felt like that when I ejaculated, like I was, I was enjoying that. It was fun. Like it kind of now, now it's over, you know, like, so I, I like what you're saying. And, I, and when I get married, I'm going to practice that. I may even practice the, the thrusting thing before. I don't know what the people at boot camp are going to say when I walk in with a brick, but I'm kidding. anyway john this has been awesome i I know everyone uh that's watching it really enjoyed it and uh, has benefited from it so thank you so much all right very welcome and thank you for the great work you do 